Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. Well, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to gather with my faith family in Metro Atlanta, Georgia, across the USA and around the world. Father, I thank you that although we're spread apart in different miles and different homes and apartments and different places, because we're gathered in the name of Jesus, you are with us. So I welcome your presence into our spaces. Father, I need your help. I only want to say what I hear you say. I only want to do what I see you do so that Jesus may be glorified, lifted high, made famous in our lives. As always, Holy Spirit, I turn this time over to you. Invade our spaces. Move up and down our spaces. I turn this time over to you. Have your way, Spirit of the living God. Father, I need your help. I only want to say what I hear you say. I want to do what I see you do so that Jesus may be glorified, lifted high, and made famous in our lives. I thank you for it. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for every single person watching. I pray that you grant us ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to receive, know, and understand. May your presence increase even more as we give attention to your holy word. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, say it with me. Say, I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. Well, go with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, as I announced last week, we're starting a series today called Faith Under Fire. So some of the things we'll do today are going to lay foundation so you understand what faith is and some of the aspects of how to use your faith. And then we'll build upon it and get to a place where you know how to defend the faith, how you can use your faith under pressure, when the trials of this life come, but you can also know why you believe what you believe. So let's go to Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. So it's of faith that it might be by God's graciousness, by his gift. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to only which is of the law, the seed which is by the law, but that which is also of the faith of Abraham, who's the father of us all. So it's not just to Abraham's Jewish descendants, but all those who operate by the faith of Abraham, those who have faith in Jesus Christ. So it is of faith that it might be by grace. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. 
I want you to notice something here. Before him whom he believed. So let's take a break right there. Before him. Sometimes we just skip through the scripture, read through, trying to get to where we're getting to and miss some of these important points of scripture. See, this phrase before him actually means in his presence or in his sight. So this first step of faith, that it's of faith, I mean by grace, is coming into the presence of God. And so the thing is, when you think about faith under fire, there's really nothing comfortable about being under fire. There's really nothing comfortable about being under pressure. There's really nothing comfortable about being in trials, in trouble, in pressure, in distress, in situations. That's not comfortable. So the thing is, you're coming to the presence of God because of the attack that's coming against you. And when you boldly come into his presence, there may be some emotions. See, some people think they have to put their emotions away in order to engage God. No. The presence of God is not a place to ignore your emotions. It's the pl place to process your emotions. There may be different emotional responses that you have because of what's going on in your life right now. But when you come to God, there is a place still operating by faith where you can pour out your soul before God that you can share with God, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. This is what the doctor's report said. This is what my bank account said. This is what they said about my child. This is what they said on the job. This is what they said on the news. This is what I'm going through. This is what I'm feeling. And you can take all of those issues. You can take all of those emotions you can take all of that pain. You can take all of that pressure and pour it out before God. You can pour it out before him in his presence, before his sight. So the first thing you do if you want to know how to operate your faith under fire is get into the presence of God. So in the presence of God, in the sight of God, what did Abraham do? See, the thing is, you need to know what to do after you come into the presence of God. Because sometimes people come to the presence of God and they process their emotions, they get all of that out, and then they just stop and leave. No, that's just the first point. You haven't even used your faith yet. All you've done is poured out your heart and your soul before God. You haven't even used your faith yet. You haven't even gotten the answer toward the problem or the situation you're going through. Nothing has changed except you had an emotional experience. But the thing is, we don't want to just have an emotional experience and have an opportunity to healthily express ourselves and pour out our soul. We need to understand how to use our faith to respond to the pressure and when. So it says, before him or in the presence of him or in the sight of him whom we believed, God, who quickens the dead, God who raises the dead or makes the dead alive and calls those things which be not as though they were. So God, Abraham came into the presence of God believing that God could raise the dead. Now you might think, well, of course God can raise the dead. We are in 2020 looking back at how about 
2,000 years ago how God raised Jesus from the dead. We see stories all throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament of God raising the dead. But you have to understand in Abraham's day, there was no recorded instance of God raising the dead. But Abraham fully believed that God was able to do it because of his relationship with God. So once again, we see he came into the presence of God. But you also see Abraham's relationship with God. Abraham believed that God could raise the dead. Abraham believed that God could call things into existence. So he came into the presence of God believing. He has a foundation of his relationship with God. And he believes that God can raise the dead and cause things into existence. So what did Abraham do in the presence and in the sight of God? He acted like God. You might say, well, that's rude. That, he can't do that. No, that's exactly what God expected him to do. We said, well, how did Abraham act like God in the face of God, in the presence of God? He called himself Abraham. Go to Genesis 17. Let's look at it some more. So he came into the presence of God. He believed God. And he acted like God. And how did he act like God? By talking like God. Let's look at this in a little more detail in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old or nine, 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. I am El Shaddai. Walk before me or live before me and be perfect or be upright or grow up. And I will make my covenant between me and you. And I will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Neither shall your name any more be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made. The name Abraham means father of a great multitude. Verse 6 says, And I will make you exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come out of you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your seed after you in their generation, for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto you, and to your seed after you. So God told Abram, I'm changing your name. You're 99 years old. I know you've gotten used to this name. But now your name is Abraham. Because you are a father of many nations. At this point, he's the father of Ishmael. He's not a father of many nations. There's no way he could become a father of many nations. He's 99. There's no way he can have any more kids. But in the presence of God, because he believed God, Abraham chose to take on what God said about him. Abraham chose to identify with the identity God had given him. And so what did he do? He said, I'm Abraham. I am a father of many nations. You might say, but he's not a father of many nations. That is not the fact. No, that's not the fact, but it is the truth. The truth was he's in a situation where it's impossible for him to become the father of many nations. But the truth of the matter is what God said. And in the face of God, in the presence of God, Abraham acted like God 
And how do you do it? By talking like God. He is now calling things that be not as though they were. He's called himself a father of many nations. And let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 because this is something we should do as well. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. This word followers is actually translated imitators. So we should imitate God as little children imitate their parents. You know, I've been recording a lot of things at home. When I do faith in the morning, I usually record that at home. And there's other announcements I might record at home. I have meetings at home. And so my kids see me recording. And, you know, I have three kids. Two of them are younger. One is four. And one is one about to turn two. And so they see me recording. And they understand what I'm doing. And so one of the things I've seen since we've sheltered in place is they begin to imitate me. Not just my teenager. Not just my four-year-old. But my one-year-old. The other day, my one-year-old came to the couch where I record Faith in the Morning, and, you know, I still have one of the stands up. She sat down on the couch and says, hi, I'm Daddy. What is she doing? She's imitating me because she saw me record here. So in the same way little children imitate their parents, we are to imitate God. And what is one way we are to imitate God? Yes, we see here we should imitate him and how we walk in love and how we forgive others and other things. But we should imitate God with how we talk. We should be the ones who call those things that be not as though they were. Not call those things that are as though they are not. Not saying, okay, you, you have a broken arm. Oh, my arm's not broken. No, your arm is broken. Put a cast on that bad boy and say the truth that by Jesus' stripes you are healed. So when you're calling things that be not as though they were, you're calling things into existence. And what is Abraham calling into existence? That he is the father of many nations. And so the things he's calling into existence, some things are going to affect his lifetime. But he's also speaking beyond his lifetime. And this is what he's doing by faith. So in the presence of God, in the sight of God, Abraham acted like God. Let's go back to Romans chapter 4 and look at verse 18. It says here, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. I want to read it to you in two other translations. It says in the Amplified Classic Edition, for Abraham, human reason for hope being gone hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised so numberless shall your descendants be the passion translation says it this way against all odds when it looked hopeless abraham believed the promise and expected god to fulfill it he took god at his word and as a result he became the father of many nations god's declaration over him came to pass your descendants will be so many that they will be impossible to count. So it wasn't just faith here. It's also hope. And hope, biblical hope, can be defined as positive expectation. Biblical hope can be defined as positive expectation. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 and look at this more. 
Because it says here, who against hope believed in hope. So Abraham put his faith in hope. He combined his faith and hope. And Hebrews chapter 11 gives us some insight what happens when you do that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let's give some definitions here. Faith is defined as belief, firm conviction, confidence, assurance. Faith is defined as belief, firm conviction, confidence, and assurance. Substance is defined as foundation or essence. The word evidence here means proof. So we can say it this way. Hope is the blueprint. Hope is the blueprint. Faith brings the materials needed to build that blueprint. So the thing is, you can have all the materials you want. You can imagine I have all, to build a building, have all the steel and all the wood and all the things I need. But in order for it to go in the right place, I need a blueprint. So hope and faith is needed to get what we're after, to see the promise of God manifest in our life. Now, you need hope, but you need more than hope because it's great to have a blueprint, but faith brings a substance to your hope. Faith gives your hope substance. Hope and faith are both spiritual forces, powerful forces that need to be operating in your life. So let's go back to Romans 4. Look at verse 18 once again. Who against hope believed in hope. So he put his faith and hope together. And what is the hope for him? What is the positive expectation? We can say it this way. Abraham's confidence and assurance in God gave substance to the positive expectation of being the father of many nations. Abraham's confidence and assurance in God gave substance to the positive expectation of being the father of many nations. Against hope, he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, or according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. Verse 19, and being not weak in faith. Okay, well, pause. What is weak faith? What is being weak in faith? You know, some people just say, oh, I got faith. Well, the Bible talks about people with no faith. It talks about people with little faith or short burst of faith. But also here we see it talks about people who have weak faith. And so one of the things you want to ask yourself, what is weak faith? And then you want to personalize it. Is my faith weak? Could it be I'm not seeing what I want to see in my life because I have weak faith? Now, what is weak faith? It gives us a definition here. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. What is weak faith? Considering your circumstances. Considering your circumstances. Well, what does it mean to consider your circumstance? The word consider here means to fix one's eyes or mind upon. The word consider here means to fix one's eyes or mind upon. So what did Abraham not do? 
He did not fix his eyes or mind upon what his body couldn't do. He did not fix or his eyes or his mind upon his circumstances. See, some of you are under fire, under pressure because of things that are going on in your life, and you give all your attention to the circumstance. You fix your eyes on the problem. But I'm telling you, if that's all you look at, you're showing yourself to be weak in faith. You might say, no, I'm being smart. But if you were smart, you would have handled the problem already. You could have done it already, but you're in a situation that you can't handle with what you know, with what you understand. You need some supernatural assistance. You need some power from God to make a difference in your situation. And how do you do that? How do you lay hold to that power? By faith. And if you're weak in faith, you won't be able to grab on to what you need. And being weak in faith is giving your attention, all your attention to your circumstance, letting that circumstance fill your mind. And what was the circumstance for Abraham and Sarah? They're old. Abraham's almost 100 years old. Sarah's almost about 90 years old. And even Sarah, before she was old, could not conceive a child, could not receive, conceive to bear a child. So there's multiple issues going on here. But Abraham could have focused on, I'm 99. My wife is 90. Our bodies are old. Our bodies ain't doing that no more. There's no way we can have a baby. It makes no sense. And if he did that, he would have talked himself out of a miracle, even though God wanted him to receive a miracle. Why? He is considering his circumstances. So Abraham did not fix his eyes or mind on his circumstances. He didn't fix his eyes or his mind on his or Sarah's bodies. Their bodies were not his focus. What was his focus? Not his circumstance. See, what happens is, too many times when our faith is under pressure, we consider the circumstance instead of considering the covenant. Too many times when our faith is under pressure, when our faith is under fire, we consider the circumstance instead of considering the covenant. We put all of our eyes and our attention and our mind upon the problem instead of our covenant with God. See, Abraham had a covenant with God, and God told him, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. So Abraham identified with the promise of God. You know, we live in a day where people are identifying with a whole bunch of stuff, some things they probably shouldn't identify with. But there's a lot of things people are identifying with in this day, but Abraham identified with the covenant. He identified with the promise. He says, God said, I'm going to be a father of many nations, so my name is Abraham. I am a father of many nations. I am who God said I am. I can do what God said I can do. I can have what God said I can have. He's identifying with the covenant. So he's not considering the contradiction anymore. He's considering his covenant. Now, the contradiction is loud. Abraham, you're old. Abraham, you can't have a baby. Abraham, Sarah can have a baby when she was younger. Y'all been together for decades. What has changed? This can't happen. No, he is not giving his attention to the contradiction. Hey, there will always be a contradiction. There will always be a reason why you can't receive your miracle. There will always be a reason why something good can't happen to you today. There will always be a reason and opportunity to fail and fall short. Those reasons will abound, but you have to make a decision. Will you be weak in faith? 
or will you be strong in faith? How bad is your want to, John Osteen used to say. How bad do you want that miracle? How bad do you want to see that baby? How bad do you want to see that business grow? How bad do you want to see those things happen in your life? You must make a decision. What will you fill your mind with? Will you fill your mind with the contradiction or will you fill your mind with the covenant of God? Will you fill your mind with the problem or will you fill your mind with the promise? It is your choice to make. I can't do it for you. God can't do it for you. You must make a decision. Will you be weak in faith or will you be strong in faith? If you want to win in this trial, if you want to win in this trouble, if you want to win in this circumstance, if you want to win during this pressure, you must make a decision. Will you be weak in faith or will you be strong in faith? What will you fill your mind with? What will you continue thinking about? Will you consider the contradiction? Or will you consider your covenant? The scripture goes on. See, you need to answer that question for yourself. If you're on social media, you can type it in. What are you going to consider? Your covenant or the contradiction? Say, I will consider my covenant. And to consider your covenant, you got to know what the Bible says. You can't consider the covenant if you're not in the word of God every day and going over the promises of God for you. You should get in the word and see what the Bible says about what God has already given you and fill your mind with those promises. And you fill your mind with those promises by reading it, by reading it out loud, by saying it and keeping it before your eyes. That whatever trial you're going through right now, if it's a trial of sickness or disease, you should have healing scriptures you stand upon and if you have a mirror, you write upon the mirror that scripture. You put it on your phone. You put it on your refrigerator. You keep it in front of your mind. Why? You're filling your mind and your eyes with the promises of the covenant of God. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. That word staggered is very interesting to me when I was looking up. It means to withdraw. It means to desert. It means to hesitate. It means to doubt. It means to withdraw. He did not withdraw from the promise. He didn't desert the promise. He didn't hesitate about the promise. He did not doubt about the promise through unbelief. He chose to believe God, but was strong in faith. Just like we asked before, well, what is being strong in faith? And then he personalized it. Are you strong in faith? So it defines here, what is strong in faith? Giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. So what is being strong in faith? Number one, it's giving glory to God. And number two, being fully persuaded or fully convinced that God is able to perform what he promised. So being weak in faith is filling your mind with the contradiction with the problem, with the circumstance. Being strong in faith is giving God glory and being fully convinced that God can do exactly what he said he can do. Go with me quickly to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Let's look at this a little bit more. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. 
So faith comes into your heart when you hear the word of God. And it keeps coming as you keep hearing. You need to hear and hear and hear. Faith by anything comes by hearing and hearing. And so you keep hearing and hearing, and faith is growing in your heart. And so as you're hearing, you make a decision to respond. Because if you want to be strong in faith, you need to continually hear the word and thank God that the word is true and that his promises are manifested in your life. So you're going through the scriptures and you're seeing a scripture that by Jesus' stripes, you were healed. Well, Father, I thank you that I'm healed. So that's what you do. What are you doing? You're giving God glory and you're confessing and saying what God promised you. And as you do that process of praising God and speaking by faith, you'll be more and more convinced and fully assured that God is able to do what he said he was going to do. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 13. And when you look in context, Paul is talking about they're under immense pressure. Just like the psalmist are quoting, this is a time of immense pressure. It's a time where their faith is under fire. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. We believe, so we speak. Faith must be verbalized. It's good that you have faith in your heart, but it needs to come out your mouth. It's good for faith to come into your heart because you keep hearing the word and hearing the word and hearing the word. But if you want your faith to be active, it needs to come out your mouth. You have to understand, faith won't move your mountain if you can't get your faith to move your mouth. Your faith will not move your mountain if you can't get your faith to move your mouth. Faith, in order to be active, must be spoken. You believe it's good. Now it's time to say something. Abraham believed. He's in the presence of God, remember? He believed, and what did he do? He said, I am the father of many nations. And he didn't just say it once, because he began to say it all the time. Abraham's name changed. Sarah's name changed. So you know, there are people who live around them, who've known them for years. And they say, hey, Abram. He'd tell them, hey, my name's not Abram anymore. It's Abraham. I'm a father of many nations. You know they thought he lost his mind. Says, this 99-year-old man has finally lost it. He's gone cuckoo. He changed his name and his wife's name. He's saying he's a father of many nations. You know people were coming against their faith and their stand in faith. But you know, less than a year later, they had Isaac. And they said, well, maybe there's something too that faith stuff and the promise of God came to pass but it wasn't just faith in the heart it's faith that came out of their mouth if you're under fire right now if you're under immense pressure the word of God needs to come out of your mouth you need to be a person who's continuing hearing and hearing and hearing the word and then speaking the word and in the midst of speaking the word, you give God glory that is true in your life. You praise God. Father, I thank you that it's true. I thank you that by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. You might be in a situation you don't know what to do. Father, I thank you that you made Jesus unto me righteousness, wisdom, and sanctification. I thank you that you lead me and guide me. I thank you that my steps are ordered of you. So you confess the word, and you give God glory, and you thank God that his word is true in your life. We believe, 
so we speak. We believe, so we speak. Go with me to Daniel chapter 3. Verse 14. As many of you know the story, it's about to be a situation where faith is going to come under some literal fire. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the king of the empire, he's an emperor. He is, some days he's making sound decisions, other days he's just acting crazy. And this was one of the crazy days, because he gets the idea, says, I want to make a statue of myself, and I want everybody to bow down and worship me when I play the music. And so, you know, his advice is, oh, this is a great idea, king, go for it. So he builds this statue, and the announcement's made through the kingdom that whenever you hear the music, you must bow down to the statue. That's why you need to be careful what music you listen to, because some music isn't made to make you bow. And so the music plays, and everybody hears the music. They bow down before the statue. But there are these three guys that Babylonian names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Everybody's bowing down, and these three guys are standing going, well, this is kind of awkward, because they refuse to bow. And see, these weren't just three random guys. These were three guys who were brought from, the air, from Judah when Judah had been destroyed by the Babylonians. And they took these three guys and others, including Daniel, to Babylon. And these three guys were government officials. So they were brought from Babylon when they were about sophomores in high school. And now at this point, they're at government officials, and they're about 20 or 21. So these are young guys and great positions of authority in a land that is still foreign to them. They've only been here five or six years. Everybody's bowing down, and they refuse. And then the Babylonian official said, hey, you know those three Hebrew boys that you put in position in the government that you gave authority to? When you played your music, they didn't bow down. And so Nebuchadnezzar is enraged. He calls them, and he says, I heard that you won't bow down before my statue, and I heard you won't worship my gods. It's like, you know what? That could be a rumor. I'm feeling really generous today, so I'm going to give you a chance that when I play my music, you need to follow me on Spotify, and you need to bow down before my statue. Because if you don't, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. What God can deliver you from my hand. See, Nebuchadnezzar fully believed that he had conquered the world and conquered every god because he believed because he could tear down and destroy temples and destroy areas that he was the conqueror over all these gods. And he himself was a god. He believed these things. He didn't realize that God gave him authority and allowed him to do those things. Well, that's another topic we'll get into another day. And so he said to them, what god? can deliver you from my hand. Now look at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. If it be so. Come on, Bible students. Let's, at, let's ask this question. If what be so, what is the matter at hand? Being thrown into the fiery furnace. So if you do throw us into the fiery furnace. Our God, whom we serve, 
is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. What is this? We believe, therefore we speak. The pressure is on. The pressure has been applied. There are contradictions all around, hot contradictions, dangerous contradictions, but they believe God. And they said, not only can he, but he will. So now it's not even a question of his ability or his will. They are fully convinced, fully persuaded, fully assured that God can and will deliver them. But then you get to this phrase, and a lot of people turn the message here. It says, but if not, be it known unto you, O king, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which you have set up. Now people think, see, they said, no matter what God does, we won't bow before the king and we serve God, blah, blah, blah. But that is not the question at hand. It is not if God doesn't deliver us. Because remember, if it be so, if what be so? If you throw us in the fiery furnace. So the same train of thought is going on. If not, if you do not throw us in the fiery furnace, because remember the king offered them, if you bow, I won't throw you in. So they're talking about if you don't throw us in, be it known unto you, king, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which you have set up. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had this revelation in their heart. If we don't bow, we can't burn. If we don't bow, we can't burn. They refuse to compromise. You see even more about their stance for purity and righteousness in Daniel chapter 1. They refuse to compromise. If you don't bow, you can't burn. But I want to let you know today, if you bow, you will burn. We live in an age of compromise. We live in an age where people are trying to make you back away from faith in God and back away from the faith. And if you compromise, if you bow, you'll burn. You'll experience the fire that's coming against your faith. You will yield to the pressure of the enemy. Compromise. Whatever you, let's say it this way. Whatever you compromise to keep, you will eventually lose. Whatever you compromise to keep, you will eventually lose. Or another way to consider it. Whatever you bow down to on the way up the mountain will rule you when you get to the top of the mountain. Whatever you bow down to going up the mountain, going up the ladder of success, going up the corporate ladder will rule you when you get to the top. Do not compromise. Make your stand in faith. Then what happened? Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the form of his vision changed, his face changed before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was to be heated. He made it seven times hotter. Dude, the fiery furnace normal would have killed them. Seven times is overkill. Come on, sin makes you stupid. Verse 20, and he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, and their outer garments, and the other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. 
Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was so hot, the guards that threw them in died. That's how intense the heat was. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did we not throw three men bound into the midst of the fire? See, he's watching. He's expecting to hear screams. He's expecting to see them burn. He's waiting for their destruction. And what he sees astonishes him. It frightens him. And he goes to his advisors, advisors didn't I throw three people in? And they said, true, okay. And he says, look, I see four men loose. Remember, three were thrown in bound, but now he sees four men walking around free. Walking in the midst of the fire, they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. You see, the guards were slain by the heat of the fire. They weren't made of the right stuff. But see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego couldn't burn because they were made of the right stuff. You see, your faith is under fire today, but you keep your faith in God, and you refuse to consider the contradiction, but you consider your covenant. You decide to operate by the spirit of faith. You believe, therefore you speak. You stay in the word of God, and you speak the word of God. You fill your mind with the word of God. You act on the word of God, and in the midst of that, you give God glory. As you do all of those things, you realize the fire can't touch you. Your faith may be under fire, but you can't be burned. You refuse to bow, so now you can't be burned. You're under pressure, but you cannot be crushed. There's a lot of things coming at you, but it can't hold you down. It may have knocked you down once, but you pop back up again. It's like those kids' toys, those weebles and wobbles. They don't fall down. You've been pushed. You've been knocked down. They're holding you down. There's been pressure on you, but you bounce back. It's summertime. There's people going to the pools. And, you know, we've seen kids. We might even bend the kids who have this, you know, floaty toy that's been blown up, this ball that's blown up, this beach ball, and you try to hold it down underwater. But as soon as the pressure lets up, the ball jumps up. It's buoyancy. So you got some Holy Ghost buoyancy that it doesn't matter what's been coming at you today, this year, for a number of years, you're going to bounce back. See, your setback, which is a setup for your comeback. This fire is not going to take you out. Yes, the enemy designed it for evil, but God is going to turn it for your good. That your faith under fire is going to bring you into a position you were meant to be in. So notice what it says next here. That then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth in the midst of the fire. And the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power. Come on, the fire coming against you right now has no power. 
nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor their smell of fire had passed on them. So not only were they not hurt, they did not even smell like fire. You can come out of this trial. You can come out of this time. You can come out of this trouble. You can come out of this pressure not even smelling like you went through. People will look at you and say, you've never been through anything hard in your life. And you can think about all the fiery furnaces in your past, all the mountains in your past, all the storms in your past. And the fact that they look at you and say, you've never been through anything is a testimony to the faithfulness of God. And you ought to say, well, how did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego make it through this test? Their faith in God. And when they were thrown in, they realized it wasn't just the three of them in there. There was a fourth man in the fire. He is the Son of God. He is Jesus the Christ. He is Yeshua HaMashiach. He is the son of El Shaddai himself. Jumped in the midst of the fire with them and walked around with them. You are not by yourself. You are not in this by yourself. You may be quarantined and sheltered in place and you think you're by yourself, but Jesus, the Son of God, is right there with you. You're not going to be burned. This is not your end. This is the start of something wonderful. You can come out of this time not even smelling like smoke. But notice what burned off of them, the chains people try to put on them, the limitations people try to put on them, the things people try to do to hold them down, that during this fire, during this pressure, all of those things fell off. So expect some things to fall off of you. Expect some things to let go. Expect some things that have been holding you back, some limitations that have been holding you back to suddenly fall off of you because of the work of a fourth man who's in the fire with you. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, that had faith in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and the house shall be made a dunghill because there's no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So not only did they make it not even smell unlike smoke, they were promoted. Don't give in to the pressures or fires or the trials of this life. Hold on to your faith in God. Do not consider the contradiction. Consider your covenant because the fourth man in the fire will show up for you. Just like he did for them, he will show up for Praise God. Praise God. Come on, say it with me. Say, the fourth man in the fire will show up for me. If you're on social media, go ahead and type it in. Say, the fourth man in the fire will show up for me. Come on. Say, the fourth man in the fire will show up for me. Your faith is designed to work and to thrive under pressure. And it's by your faith you overcome the systems of this world. If you have to overcome, that means there is a fight. There are fights in this life. And a lot of you watching are in a fight right now. But no, 
that your faith is designed to bring you victory, absolute and total victory. So hold on to your faith, grow in faith, make a decision to be strong in faith, and give God glory. Come on right now, let's give him glory. Father, we thank you that your promises are true. We thank you that all your promises are yes and amen. We thank you that you are our healer. We thank you that you are our provider. We thank you that you are our shepherd. We thank you that you are our God and your banner over us is love. We thank you that you are victorious and you give us the victory. We thank you that you always cause us to triumph. We thank you that you lead us and guide us, that you never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you, Father, you rest upon us and live within us and you're with us. Just like you are with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you are with us and we thank you for the victory and the great deliverance we will see in our lives in Jesus name Amen. Thanks for watching today. We hope today's message was a blessing to you that it empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith, you know, our vision statement is to ignite awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. And we'd love for you to be a part. You can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to FCCGA.com. If you want to give, you can text FCCGA to 73256. You can also go to FCCGA.com to give online and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our faith experience, we believe you will experience God and his plan for your life. So thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.